I'm Holly Houghton. I'm Michelle Reyes. And I'm Noreen Noble. The three of us are certified life coaches and members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And we all love people and we love helping others. So we decided to bring our coaching knowledge about intentional thought, along with our love and knowledge of Jesus Christ and his teachings, to create a podcast where we can explore how all this can fit together. We hope that with you, we can become more mindful and learn to find joy in any circumstance. And ultimately, strengthen our faith in Jesus Christ in every thought. Hello, welcome back to the In Every Thought podcast. Before we begin, I'm going to ask Michelle and Holly, when you buy a new appliance, what's the first thing that your husband tosses aside? Is it the same as mine? The manual. (laughs) Right. And then he's like, this just happened. And he's like looking at like how to like attach something. And I'm over there with the manual and I open it and I'm like, um, yeah, use that bowl. And he looks at me like I'm some sort of wizard. (laughs) I'm like, it's just the manual. (laughs) But actually that's what we're going to be talking today. We're going to be talking about manuals and the instruction guide that we have for other people and sometimes for ourselves. We'll get into that in a little bit, but manuals are, like I said, instruction guides that we have for other people and how we want them to behave. And we want them to behave a certain way so that we can feel good and happy and content in our lives. And we often don't tell anybody this manual. I remember my first Christmas and I don't feel like I'm telling tales out of school. Stan totally knows I tell this story all the time. That's my husband. (laughs) I like saved all our money because we're really poor. And I bought him this cordless drill that I knew he wanted. And I got a toolbox that was also a step stool. (laughs) (laughs) I remember this story. (laughs) And I remember my nephew came over and I think he like was a baby and kind of had a little explosion on the step stool. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly how I feel about this present as well. (laughs) I didn't like it. Um, Because I had a manual that my new husband should have bought me something with a lot of love and heart and sentimental to me. I never told him that, but that's kind of the manual that I had for him. And it's funny. He's kind of been gun shy about presents ever since. (laughs) So (laughs) the thing is, is he did put a lot of thought into it. He's a very practical person. So to to him, it was very practical because we were in a small house and I couldn't reach some things and to have your tools and the ability to climb up in the same place. <laughs> it was perfect. And it's just so funny. So sometimes we feel that other people are sh- already should know what they're supposed to do. Um, and that can actually be very damaging because we have all these expectations on how people should act. And I love this topic of manuals because honestly, learning about it has changed my life and my relationships with family and friends. Yeah. Learning about this idea of manuals was so eye-opening for me because I didn't realize that I had manuals for everyone. And I love your analogy of manuals that you gave at the beginning, because we can all relate to that, right? There's so many times when using a manual would actually serve us really well, like to figure things out, learn how to use a new appliance. But this type of manual is a little bit different because these manuals most often don't serve us. And while we might not be able to fully like toss them out, we need to become aware of them and check in. Like, is this really something 
that serving me or do I need to let go of this just a little bit? Because these type of manuals are like, it's the, it's the thought that people should behave a certain way so that we can feel a certain way. Like they should show up in our, in oftentimes it has to do with relationships. Um, but it also could be just be like how we think people should behave in the world. But I think the ones that really, you know, cause the most struggle are the ones where it, it is a relationship that we're in. And we think they should do this. They should behave a certain way. Um, so that I can feel, you know, loved or accepted or valued or of worth or whatever it is. And what we need to do is just have some awareness of that so that we aren't just sabotaging our own experiences. Yeah, Michelle, I like that. A lot of times we don't realize that we do have these expectations of someone, or we are working from a manual and we don't see the pain that it's causing us. And if you think about it, you know, from the time we were little with the Disney movies we watched and the other movies as we grew older and our parents and other our friends, parents, and the people we saw, especially for like our husband, let's say like, how many times did you dream about when you were a little girl about getting married and what that was going to be like, and the presents he would buy you for Christmas, <laughs> right. And Valentine's <laughs> day and, and all these things that we, we file away and we, we think, oh, I, that's what a good husband does. And we put it in our manual. And then we see something I was like, oh, that's, that's a bad husband. And we put it in our manual. By the time we get married, we have this whole list of what a good husband is and what a good husband isn't. And we don't even recognize that we have this whole list and, and all these expectations coming into when we get married. And it's as we go through and we feel that disappointment from that Christmas gift, or we think the husband should do the dishes before he goes to bed. And we discover our manual and it's kind of revealed to us as we interact with the people usually closest in our lives. Right. And one of the hardest thing about manuals is we don't know that we have them. You guys, we all have them. I still have right. them, even though I know about them. Um, but I still, you know, oh, when I'm driving, you shouldn't cut me off. Um, you know, all these things that we think are just normal, natural laws of nature, <laughs> that they should be nice to me, that they shouldn't judge me is a manual that I have for someone else and how they should behave. So let's talk about the problem with having these. Most of the time, manuals are tied to behaviors that we want other people to abide by so that we can feel good. And there's a direct problem when we put all of our emotional stake into someone else's behaviors. Yeah. Like we talked about in an earlier episode, like everything we do is because we want to feel a certain way. Right. And so this manual that we develop and who knows, maybe it is a part of our lower brain, you know, trying to protect us, give us a better experience and be more efficient. Perhaps that's where it comes from, but it's again, it is because we're trying to feel a certain way. And when we place that on others, then we lose power. So being able to take a look at this idea of a manual and say, that's not really necessary. Like I can let go of that. I don't have to have a certain manual for how people in my life should show up. It just gives us the ability to take back that power because like we talk about in the model, like where do feelings ultimately come from? They come from our thoughts. They don't come from other people's actions or behaviors. 
I think this is a tricky one because as adults, especially we get to behave however we want. We get to show up however we want. And that includes your spouse and your mother-in-law and your sister-in-law and these people that even if everyone in your whole family would agree that your sister-in-law or, you know, brother-in-law or someone is so hard to be around and they, they shouldn't act this way. And the fact is, is that they can show up however they want. And so when we place all those expectations on other people and have a certain way, like in order for me to love them and in order for me to be their friend or in order for me to feel loved by them, they need to act this certain way. It really just makes us miserable and it's not honoring their agency or our agency that we get to choose who we are and how we respond to people. And another problem with manuals is most of the time we don't tell other people what they are. Right. <laughs> so they're going to fail no matter what, because they don't know what we want. Oh, I don't think just... half the time we know what we want. <laughs> That's right. true. They should just right. know that they should do this. They should ask me. Da, da, da. And I'm like, no, like you guys, we all are going to have them. If you want to live with them, then at least tell the other person what it is. So they can right. either choose to abide by your manual or say, you know what? I don't and have a discussion about like why that's not fair or whatever, you know, or why it's important to you. Yes. Like, we can want people to show up a certain way, but we don't need them to, in order for us to love them and to right. feel happy and to feel the way we want to. But I'm like, I can feel right. that my husband's a good husband if he doesn't follow my whole manual, because guess what? He won't. And I'm not going to follow his. And that's when we forgive each other. We give each other the benefit of the doubt, but it's just wanting them to show up a certain way. Like we can make requests and we can want that, but we don't need it in order to feel the way we want to feel. Right. So when I first learned about manuals, I had an epiphany that if I have a manual for all these people in my life, they have manuals for me. And that my rebellious nature kicked in and I was like, I'm not going to do what everybody wants. And actually it's impossible to fulfill everyone else's manual for ourselves. So therefore it's impossible for all the people in my life that I have manuals for to fulfill all the things that I want too. Right. Right. When we say let go of manuals, we're not saying just let everybody treat you how they want to. Uh, no, there's definitely boundaries and we will have an episode about boundaries in the future. But what we have to do is let go of some of the expectations that we have of other people to make us feel good. So I know what you're thinking because I thought it too. Holly, Michelle, and Noreen, you're crazy to think that I'm just not going to have any expectations or rules for my kids and let them do whatever they want. Or I'm in charge of people at work and there's literally a manual and you're telling me to throw it out. Let's talk about this for a minute. Yeah, because there's a difference between the manuals that we have for other people and when we're a parent or have stewardship over someone or responsibility over someone, whether that's in a church calling or at work, we have, we have people who we direct and guide. Like there's the difference between those two things. So we just want to make sure that we're helping you see that like as a parent, you do have certain expectations of your children. You have a curfew that you put in place by certain rules that your family abides by. That's so different than just the manual we might have for how people should show up. And again, manuals have to do with wanting someone to behave a certain way so that we can feel a certain way. So it's, there's, yeah. there's a difference there for sure. 
Yeah. And I think this is for me, a harder concept to understand. So we can have these expectations of our child, like you mentioned the curfew, but if I'm letting my child, whether he or she gets home on time, affect the rest of my night and how I feel about that person, then I'm operating from a manual, not just from an expectation and consequence. So it's, you remove the emotion from it. So if I'm parenting from a clean space, the emotions removed, and it's just my job to say, Hey, here's the expectation and here's the consequence. And the beauty of doing that is that let's say my child gets home late and I just throw a tantrum. I'm mad. I'm, you know, frustrated. They won't do it. They're first of all, not going to be very reflective of their behavior because they're going to be focused on mine. And I'm making it all about me. Like, how could you do this? You kept me up and what, like, you know, it, it takes the focus off of the actual child. And like we talked about that curiosity and compassion, why are they late? What's going on? Was there a misunderstanding, but just the power of removing the emotion and keeping that expectation and issuing the consequence without having it totally affect Now I love this child. And so I I might have some emotion about it or worry or all those different things, but it's different when I'm using it, when I feel controlled by it versus just here's the expectation, here's the consequence, and we're, we're going to move on. And I think it has to do with, again, those serving and non-serving emotions, because you can come from a place of love or calm or intention, things like that. And that will serve you as you're in that situation. It's when that emotion is, is not serving you that we, you know, spin into other things that just make the situation harder than it is. One thing I love about this too, is, is we take that responsibility for our own emotions and what we're creating. It allows us like we, you know, we talked about the example with the child coming home late. It allows us to have teach them that they're also responsible for their own emotions. Right. So we don't say, well, now you're late and now I'm mad or, you know, you did this and it made me sad. Like we, we can separate that. And so without even recognizing, sometimes we're teaching our children and putting the responsibility of them or our spouse. Like, well, when you said that, that, you know, made me feel this certain way. And even in the way we speak, it's teaching other people that they are responsible for our feelings. And when we realize that, oh, I'm feeling this way because I just have these expectations and we take that back. We also allow them to be responsible for their own feelings as well. I love that you said that Holly, because when you do that and you make space for someone else to be in charge of their own emotions, you can actually, you're giving them a gift as well as giving yourself a gift of not being emotionally tied to someone else's actions. Funnily enough, you can also have manuals for yourself. How many times have I said to myself, well, I should do this. Well, I, oh, I'm a horrible person because I should be doing this. I should, I should, 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 should. Or a a mom should be a certain way. Yes. And so when we have those thoughts of the, I shoulds for myself, the manual that I have for myself, it's really good to just take a look at it and be aware because you can't let go of a manual until you realize that there's a manual, right? Right. So if we're going around life thinking that we're just horrible people because we're not doing A, B, C, and D, then you just have to look and be like, oh, that is just a manual. And where did I get that information from that I have to do this and I have to do that and I have to be this certain way? 
Yeah. And when you're connecting it to the model in that thought line, anytime there is a, I should, or I shouldn't, or have to, you can know that you're stacking up all of these thoughts that are creating that manual with whatever respect to, you know, a certain relationship or how someone should show up. And so that'll help you just kind of recognize it. And I think that that just like the model, the awareness that we have that is sometimes even just enough to help us shift a little bit and show up a little bit differently. Like, oh, I'm having a manual for how this experience should go. I have a really good example of how I've been able to use this with awareness. I have seven children and my oldest is 18 and a senior in high school. And my youngest is six and in kindergarten. And so this is kind of like the the magical year where everyone is in our home still it's before our son leaves on his mission and everyone's in school. And I recognized early on that if I had a manual for how this year should go, it would be a really unhappy year. Like even just from day one, when, um, the kids went to school, like I had, I recognized that I had a manual that we should do things a certain way. Like we should get that first day of school picture. And guess what happened that morning? Someone was literally throwing up, like just so sick on the couch. Another one was still in his towel after taking a shower and the kindergartner wasn't even ready because she didn't start school the next week. And so that picture that I wanted to take couldn't happen. And if I kept that manual of this is how it should go. It would have been like, I would have been like, yep, the whole year is already ruined. Like this perfect year <laughs> that I wanted to have is ruined. But I recognized that, that, that it was okay that I could let go of that, that it didn't have to go that way. And I really have embraced this year with that idea, even just Valentine's day just passed. And I was, I recognized my thoughts like, oh, I didn't do it exactly like I wanted to. And that opportunity is gone. And, and I just decided to believe like, it went exactly like it should, or, or like, I'm okay with what happened, right? There was no, there was no should or have to on anything. And when we just start kind of leaning into that a little bit more, does that mean we become complacent and like never try anything? No, but it's just, it just means that we give ourselves lots more grace and just allow, allow ourselves to just embrace what does come in, in the moments of, of these experiences of life. And so it's really, really helped me, um, with this, you know, whole last year of experience with my little family or not so little family. <laughs> As we start realizing these manuals we have for other people, and we, we want to try to work on letting them go. I found a good way to do that is to be curious. Why do I want them to be different? What would I get to believe about me if they were showing up the way I wanted them to? What would I get to believe about them if they were showing up the way I wanted them to? And then this is where we can turn it back to ourselves and take that responsibility back now is how can I believe that now? And I think as, as we ask that question and how do I want to feel how do I want to think? And we take back that responsibility and be intentional in the way we're choosing to look at other people and believe the best in other people. It helps us be who we want to be, feel the way we want to feel and show up the way we want to show up. Yeah. I like that. That's really helpful, Holly. And just recognizing 
you know, how we can let go of those manuals just a little bit. I love that. I think that most of the manuals I had in my life were for my family, were for my children. In fact, I had manuals of how they were going to, the classes they were going to take, what (laughs) schools they were going to go to, what different steps in their life they were going to take. And when I had a child who was not wanting to do any of those, I, it was such, it was such a turmoil for me. I had, I had so much emotion writing on what my kids were doing that I, you know, internalized, I'm a horrible mother. What's wrong with this child? Like all these things. When I learned about manuals and what really helped me understand this and actually let it go was I realized that my manual, and I'm going to, I'm going to call it something different. I, I, I wrote a script. I wrote the most beautiful screenplay for my children. And they were going to have this movie that was so amazing. And they were going to live this amazing, amazing life. But when, when my child decided that they weren't going to follow that script, I became worried. And, you know, immediately my mind was going to all like the worst places because they're not following my script. They're going to end up being, you know, live under a bridge, whatever. I don't know. I I had lots of these thoughts. Uh, At the same time, I was studying the Old Testament and we were um, talking about how the children of Israel were leaving and it took them 40 years to get to the promised land. Well, the teacher that was teaching that also told me that you could actually get from where they were to the promised land in 12 days, (laughs) but it took them 40 years. (laughs) Now, if I was writing that screenplay, because I'm very efficient, I'd be like a 12 day journey, people, not the 40 year journey. But the thing is, so much had to happen in those 40 years so that the next generation could be set up for success. And that spoke to me because my child might be following a script that takes him 40 years to get to where he needs to go. And I want, I want him there in 12 days, but he with, with God is writing a movie that I have no idea what will look like and will probably be much more beautiful than I wrote. I have no idea. And so when I would pray and pray and pray, what can I do? What should I do? What should I do? At this point, my child's an adult. Can't really do that much. <laughs> like I can't, you know, have a chart with stickers and tell him he needs to do exactly what I say. He <laughs> can get a cookie. <laughs> I uh, was told over and over again, just love him and let me take over. And that's when I had to take that manual and just hand it over to Heavenly Father and be like, okay, all I'm supposed to do from now on is just love him. And I have faith that he is writing his life story the way it should be. It's not how I thought it was going to be, but I'm realizing as the years are rolling out, that it's, it's a beautiful story. It's just different than I thought. There's so many ways to live a life. Why does this child or these children live have to live it the one way that I think? And that showed me that I could get rid of this manual. And if I could get rid of it for him, I could get rid of it for my husband. I can get rid of it for all the people at church who annoy me. (laughs) (laughs) There's not that many, but you know, sometimes it happens. I could get rid of it for myself and show grace to myself. Like, like Michelle talked about, show grace to the people around me, show grace and make space for 
okay, I taught you everything I could teach you and I know you know it. So now what are you going to make out of it? And I'm excited to see because this child's wonderful, so smart, such a hard worker. And I'm excited to see what he's going to make of his life versus what I was going to make of it. I love you, Noreen, so much. And I think all of us can relate in different ways of that struggle because as parents, we just want, like, it makes perfect sense that we would write this script out for them because we want so much for them. And I think in our limited understanding of, of the grand scheme of things and the power of the atonement and the power of experience and all these things, we think it should go a certain way, but that is what is so amazing about the gospel of Jesus Christ and his redemptive power is that no matter what 40 year wanderings occur, like he can sanctify that and make it an experience, whatever experiences we have, whatever path we take, he can make it for our good. I love that. I, that reminds me too, Noreen, you just, you have such a good heart and you're such a mom that loves her kids so much. And I can tell that when you talk about your children. So thank you for sharing that. And it, it made me think about the other day when I was driving home with my son and I was thinking of all the things that he wasn't doing that I, I think he should do, you know, he needs to like I'll give him a chore and I think he needs to do it a little faster and a little better than I gave it to him. And he, he's not playing the cello as much as I think he should be he just all these things in my head. And I just was thinking of all these things where he was kind of falling short and I, he, he needs to be interested in this and he should be doing this. And, and I caught myself and I got a little chastisement from the spirit. It's hard to put into words exactly what I felt, but it was something like you have a son sitting right next to you in the car that you're missing out on. Like, who is he? What does he like to do? What is important to him? Me being so caught up in this manual of what I thought he should be and what he should be like. And I was missing the son that I had right in front of me. And Noreen, as you shared your story, I, I loved at the end where you're like, wait a second. I'm focusing on this over here, but he's hardworking. He's kind. He's, you know, I, I think they are those things and, and we can, we can miss that. And the people we love the very most when all we're focusing on are the things that are not, we're missing who they are. Yeah. I do love that. I love what you said. When we get rid of the manual, we get to know who they are and not who we want them to be. We can love them for who they actually are. I think that's really powerful. Christ himself didn't fit a manual. Pharisees and the Sadducees had a had a manual for how the Messiah was going to come. And they expected pomp and circumstance, but he came humbly. They expected royalty and he was a carpenter's son. They expected nobility, but he lived among the outcasts. And the script that he wrote, much better than the script that they thought that they had for him. And I'm eternally grateful. When I think of it that way, it really allows me to let go a little bit more and not like you said, Michelle, I'm not giving up. I'm just making space for what can be instead of what I think it should be. Right. That's so, so beautiful. I love it so much. I think even about how sometimes we might have a manual for how, how things should play out. 
as we're disciples of Jesus Christ, because we're disciples of Jesus Christ, like things should go a certain way. Like the whole principle of like, when you're righteous, you prosper should, should be the way that happens. And I think we can even run into some troubles with that. And last night I actually finished up the last episode of a TV series called the chosen. If you haven't heard about it, you definitely need to go check that out. It's so good. But on the very last episode, it's this focus on the apostle Simon and, you know, it's, it's partly a, a dramatized story, right? So they, they take some artistic license of adding different stories to the scriptures, but where, where they're at is Simon and his wife are experiencing this difficult trial of child loss. They, um, his wife, Eden had lost the child that she was carrying. And Simon has this manual, right? How things should be like, why is the savior healing all of these strangers? And he's missing the very person that is right in front of him. And just how much anguish you see it throughout the whole series, uh, end of the series, how he is just in anguish because of this expectation of how he thinks things should go. And when he lets go of that, in that culminating scene at the end, like that's when he finally finds peace. And I think a lot of times when we have a manual for how things should be because of our righteousness or how God should, how he should bless us. A lot of times it's because of our limited view of how that script is going to play out. Like maybe we're just not getting to that third act where we see everything come full circle and we realize it was actually a part of what was leading us to who we were meant to be and what we were supposed to have. Like that is something that I have such a strong testimony of is that Again, remember how I had mentioned the title of a high priest of good things to come, like everything will be made right. That is what the gospel of Jesus Christ offers. That script will play out beautifully and we can trust in that eternal script that is meant to be. We can have hope and peace in that. I love that because we allow the Lord to be the author of our script, which gosh, if I want to have someone write something amazing, it's going to be him especially for me. That's what I want. Thanks, Michelle and Holly. I've loved this discussion. And thank you to those of you who are listening to our podcast. We love doing this and we love hearing from you. So please follow us on Instagram at in every thought podcast and let us know what you think, or if you have any questions, or you can always email us at in every thought podcast at gmail.com. You can even ask us for a model worksheet that you can use to help yourself. And thank you, Nate man for leaving a review for us on Apple podcasts. I've read it more than five times <laughs> just to motivate me to keep doing this. And if I had a t-shirt with our logo on it, I would totally send you one, but you just get the shout out. So we appreciate all of you who have shared this podcast on your socials and we just appreciate you for listening. So until next time, bye. bye.